Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. This verse is found in Numbers 14, and it says, Please, please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. Please, God, prove that you are as good as you claim. You know, we sing these songs, and we sing about his faithfulness. We sing about his goodness. And there are seasons where that's super easy, because God's pulled through on something. But what about when you're in the midst of it? And you know what I mean when I say it. What if you're in the battle when you haven't seen the promise come to pass? The best thing that you can do is worship. The best thing that you can do is praise. The best thing that you can do is to claim his goodness. So we are going to press into that this morning. So come on, let's worship.
because you've proven yourself time and time again. And you've come through when it didn't make sense. And you've been at work and revealed yourself when we didn't know anything was happening behind the scenes at all. And then you show up.
that this morning. He's working with you, see it or not, whether you believe it or not. I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, sing it out. Thank you, God, for being the waymaker. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us where we are. And Lord, if, if there's someone here that maybe thinks they don't have much faith in the banker, there's something that's just so big in front of them, they don't know how you're going to do it. God, I pray that you can make that way right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you can meet them where they are. Father, that the people in, in here that are just aching for you in your presence. Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just fall on them. Fill them up to overflowing. You are here, Jesus, among us. You're grateful. So, Father, I just pray that we can feel your heart. We can feel your love. We can feel the hope that you have as you look at us, that we can us today. He is. 
I feel like he has something special for each and every one of you guys, for each and every one of us, whether you're at home um, or in the room. So thank you guys so much for coming uh, to Fellowship today. If you're in the room, go ahead and say hello to somebody and find your way to your seats. For those of you at home, thank you so much for tuning in with us. We are excited to be able to see who's um, on online each week. So if you are in need of prayer, go ahead and click that prayer button if you're on our website um, or just connect with us, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, let us know where you're watching from. Um, Connect with us during the service, put the emojis in when you feel like the spirit is touching your heart because it's awesome to see you guys each and every week. For those of you that are either online or in person that are new here, we'd love to just welcome you. A great way uh, to connect with the staff is to get your cell phones out and text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. When you do that, you connect with the staff. We're able to uh, get in touch with you through the week as well as get you an invitation to our guest reception. And maybe for those of you that are just wanting to connect a little bit more, um, find out or maybe finally step into what a group looks like um, or learn about more of our classes and courses, if you text that word uh, fellowship to 94,000, it will also um, get you in touch with some of that information as well. If you're in person and visiting us, as we see a lot of people coming in for the holidays, uh, we'd love to treat you uh, as our first-time visitors at our information center with uh, a free specialty drink from our our coffee shop, as well as a little gift bag. So um, if you're in person here and new, go ahead and stop by the information center for that. Right now, we're going to continue with the uh, worship of our great God with the giving of tithes and offerings. And um, as the holidays are approaching, um, I don't know if you guys have ever attended or maybe you already have this year, but a white elephant gift exchange. You guys familiar with that, where you pick out some junk and you take it and somebody else leaves with it. It's a great thing. It's really, it's really fun. You get exploding golf balls or like weird boxer shorts or something like that. And somebody else leaves with that. My favorite thing that I've done at a white elephant is a live goldfish because someone leaves responsible for a life. And I think that is just funny. I do. I think you get the bowl, the fish, the food, the whole nine, and you can do that for under 15 bucks. And you just, here you go. <laughs> You're now a parent. Well done. Uh, it's great. It's great. But when we think about giving, like for our kids, we're not going to give them white elephant gifts. One, because we'd hear about it, but two, because we care about them, right? We do. We're not going to give them junk. And when we look at God's model of giving, he gave us the best in the form of his son, Jesus. He gave us him. And as we come into the holiday season and Christmas season, we celebrate that Jesus leaving his glory and coming down um, and laying his, down, his life uh, down as a sacrifice for us. And I think it's important to know that God gave us his best in the form of Jesus and that we... If we come at, you know, giving uh, back to him like a white elephant thing, man, that's not showing him a lot of love. That's not showing him um, all that, all that the tenderness that he shows us. So giving is a way that we can love him back as well. So I want to uh, pray over our tithes and offerings. It's, it's pretty easy to give here at Fellowship Church. On the Church Center app, it's kind of the easiest. If you're in person, we have offering boxes in the lobby and um, a lot of different ways, the text to give. And you can stop by through the week and, and, um, and see us and, and drop your tithe in as well. But for anybody who is in need of financial breakthrough, um, I want to be able to pray for you and your family today as well as pray over our offerings that are coming in. So please pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for being the provider. Thank you, God, for being um, that gift. God, that you, you gave us your best in the form of Jesus. Lord, um, we are so grateful for that. We are so thankful for that. For every single family that's in need of financial breakthrough, God, I pray that you can meet that need this week. God, that you can um, bless the offerings that are coming in, Lord, but 
Um, even if it's, if it's not just monetary things, if it's, a, if it's health, God, I pray that you can heal um, people that are in need. If it's um, something uh, in restoring relationships, God, that you can um, heal and restore those relationships as well. God, you are the best and you give the best gifts. We are honored to be able to love you back and give to you as well. So Jesus, thank you so much. We love you and we thank you in your heavenly name. Amen. Well, it is almost Christmas and I don't know about you, but Christmas makes me nostalgic. I like to think about, you know, times of Christmas past when I was a little kid and, and uh, I would get up in the middle of the night to see if I could catch Santa, you know, stealing the cookies. I'd, I'd, I would do that. And I remember specifically thinking about, you know, my grandparents coming over the next morning and just not being able to sleep the night before because I couldn't wait to see what my presents were. And I think we all do that with Christmases. We think about those things. A lot of times we watch old movies, or home videos of, of, of Christmases in the past. I was thinking the other day about... Uh, Rebecca and I's first Christmas here at Fellowship. It was 1992, if you can believe that. And we played uh, Mary and Joseph in Fellowship Church's cantata. Of course, they chose us for our virtue. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So uh, just have great memories of that. It's just funny, you know, to think back that far. And, And I think that, you know, you think even back into the early 90s, one of the big things really, really popular during that time was boy bands. Remember boy bands? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NSYNC and 98 Degrees and Backstreet Boys. And, uh, you know, those, I, I had to be told what those group names were before I came up here because, you know, I didn't listen to boy bands, of course. But, uh, you know, but I started thinking about that. You started thinking, you know, that's so cool. Those, were, those guys were cool. And then I started thinking, we started thinking, you know, we, we have boys. We have boys here. We have a band, right? We have, we have boys and we have a band. So I thought, why, why not? Why don't we do something fun? So you know what? Let's do this together because you never saw a boy band concert where people were sitting in their seats. So let's, why don't we stand up together? Yes. And uh, let's welcome Fellowship Church's own In Sync, The Golden Years.
Christmas special that nobody asked for. But what we are so excited about is Christmas Eve services happening at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. in person, as well as a 7 p.m. showing if you are watching online. We want everybody here in order to celebrate the precious gift of our Savior and everything that it represents. So please invite friends, family, co-workers. It's so easy to do because we now have these info cards available at the info center. All of the information is on the back and you can very easily invite everybody that you love for this holiday season. Today is the final day of our Angel Tree gift drive. If you have not brought your gift in yet, we need them as soon as possible by noon today. Please get those in so we can get those to those kiddos. For those of you that participated, we are so thankful for your generosity. On December 26th, we are going to be holding one unified church service at 9 a.m. as well as an online viewing at 11 a.m. Children's ministry will be open and we hope to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to see how God is going to continue to move. Well, I hope you're prepared because I prepared a little dance for you as well today. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> uh, the title of today's message is Do You See What I See? Because the way we see things is so critically important. I'm telling you, perspective is everything. In fact, would you say that with me? Say, perspective is everything. 
I made that very difficult to repeat, but uh, you, you got the point. Perspective is everything. I believe as we dive into the scripture, um, we're going to be able to see that God wants to affect your life in the best way possible. And the way we see things is so critically important in that. I want to go ahead and dive right into a scripture. Matthew, cha- or, sorry, Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. So he had been doing his stuff and he decided, you know, it's, it's time to go back to my hometown. And I know that right now many of you are getting ready to go back to your hometown or this is your hometown and you're here right now. And sometimes thoughts of that bring up a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of concern. Some of you are homesick and want to go home. Uh, but whatever your thoughts are on that, Jesus is out of place. He's like, I think it's time to go back to my hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who had heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him, and what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? The next verse is interesting. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives in his own home. And then this next verse is confusing me because let me ask you a question. Can God do anything? Are we a group of Christ followers? We believe God can do anything. He can accomplish anything. He is a way maker, a miracle worker. Our God can do anything. And that's why I get confused when I read this next verse because it says he could not do any miracles there. Wait. God I read about in the Bible, the God I understand, the God I know, he can do anything. And it says... He could not do any miracles there. Why? It says, except lay hands on a few six people and heal them. He was amazed. Here's the answer. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. See, the way we see things, our perception is everything. Our perception is so critically important to the condition of our life. The outcome of our life, the, the, the outcome of our relationships, the outcome of our relationship with God, the way we see things is so incredibly important. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room, and we thank you that you've already met with us in this place. And we pray right now that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes, open up our hearts to learn what you want us to learn. God, we pray right now that we would see Jesus, that God, we would see what you see, that we would understand what you want us to understand, that you bless us today. Help us, we ask, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. I have a question for you. How many of you have ever raised a toddler? Anybody? Anybody in this room? Yes. Yes, I've raised toddlers. Um, We should have a support group. Um, In fact, let me ask, how many of you are currently raising toddlers? Yeah, take a look around the room. These are the people you should be praying for actively right now. We might just stop. Dear Jesus, bless them. Help them. Dear God, give them patience. Amen. 
They need it, right? Because raising toddlers is difficult because the perspective a toddler has based on their opinions of what's going on around them is it affects their life and it affects everyone around them and everyone in the store and everyone in the movie theater. Am I right? I remember when Rachel was a toddler, she had the same important word that every toddler had. And (laughs) you already know it. You offer her something, do you want this? And the answer, no. And I can understand, you know, if you think about it, I can understand where she get this because she became an incredibly picky eater. I remember like, of course, we're eating steak dinners and she's getting like mashed up vegetables. And if you've ever tried that stuff, it's garbage, right? And we're feeding it to our kid. It's like, so we try to try to feed him the food. We try to feed Rachel the food. She's like, no, no, no. She'd go to daycare. They'd feed her the vegetables. They feed her. It's like pureed. There's no sugar, it, no salt. It's disgusting, right? No, 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 no. So her perspective was that anything that someone's going to try to give me is going to be terrible. So I just don't want it. And, and I can remember the day that we were at Chili's. And I decided I was going to order a molten chocolate cake. That yummy gooiness comes out and it's like it's just dripping off the sides. Mmm, it's a sizzling chocolate. Can you tell I'm hungry? It's almost lunchtime right now. Just sizzling there and I, and I got a good scoop and it had the chocolate drizzled on the side. And I said, hey, honey, girl, Rachel, I want you to take a bite. Have a bite. Say, No! I'm like, no, this is good. This is cake. This is the good stuff. This is like what we've hold, hold back on. Like, you can't have this all the time, but this is the good stuff. No! And, and she begins doing it over and over again. It's like, but no, this is really good. And, and parents, what did she say? No. no. She wants, no. No. I don't want it. No. So I did what any good father would do, and I ate that cake all by myself. I enjoyed it. It was Oh, it's so good. And it's like, now she asks, and I'm like, no. It's like, it's just come full circle. You know, I learned some lessons because it's like, I like sweets, you know, give me some carbs. I want it, bring it this way. But like, we're, we're trying to be healthy in my family. So if I like go out and order a box of donuts, my wife would be looking at me like, boy, what is wrong with you back then? Though I learned the lesson, they say no to everything. So I'm like, I'm not getting it for me. I'm getting it for them, right? So I get a dozen donuts and I go, girl, you want this? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, I already touched it. So, uh. <laughs> That's how I got fat. <laughs> but uh, she had this perspective that certainly things are not going to go the way I wanted to, so it's going to be no. And her perspective determined her outcome. To be honest, I can be a toddler many times when it comes to my walk with God. I'm not calling you a toddler, but I think a lot of us could relate the same way or it's like God wants to offer things to us. God wants to do things for us and through us. And he gives us opportunities. And many times because of our perspective, because of things that have happened in the past, we let our perspective determine our outcome. And so many of us are telling God, no, I don't want it. I don't want to be changed. I don't want to feel the pain. I don't want to go through the uncomfort of change. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And he's like, listen, I got a gift. This is drippy chocolate. It's going to be so good. You're going to love it. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do it that way. 
Oh, but I want to I, I bless you. I want to get you ready for the marriage relationships that are coming up. I want to get you ready for management. I want to get you ready. I want to bless you in so many ways. And it's like, no, no, no. And the reason why is because our perspective can be so skewed on what we actually think is taking place around us. So there are some of us in life who, who go through the exact same circumstances but have completely different outcomes based off of one thing alone, and that's our perception. And we all know the person who complains at work, right? Do you know the person who complains at work? If you didn't raise your hand, it's you. <laughs> but there's, there's that person, it's like, have you noticed the same job, same building? Okay, two people go to work. One person comes in just complaining, murmuring, griping, complaining. I can't believe this. They don't pay me enough. I shouldn't have to deal with all this drama. They always want stuff done and they want it done yesterday, but they don't tell me about it until I get here now. This is just ridiculous. They don't pay me enough. I wish I had more insurance. I wish they'd give me more time off. This is ridiculous. Just too much politics around here. You can't even climb a ladder in this place because there's, there's nepotism and everything else like, I can't ever even just grow in this company. That's one person going to work. Another person coming into the same job. God, thank you for this job. I have prayed for this job. I've needed this income. Thank you for insurance. Thank you that I get to go home every day and provide for my family because what you've blessed here. God, you are good to me. The same parking lot, the same parking spaces, walk through the same doors and deal with the same people. Two people, two completely different outcomes. The only difference, their perspective. And this can happen in every area of our life. Some people see singleness as a curse. No. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> some people see singleness as a curse. Like I, I've got to be the man and the woman here. I've got to pay the bills. I got, I don't, nobody's here to take out the trash or help me with the laundry or help me with the dishes. It's like, I, I got to take the kids to school and back all by myself. I, nobody's here to help me. I'm all by myself. This is ridiculous. Another person in the same situation is going, thank you, Jesus, that I am single in this season of life. And she says, amen. And, um, <laughs> Thank you, God, that I can go where I want to go, when I want to go. I don't have to wait for anybody. I don't have to clean up after anybody. If I want to eat Thai, I don't have to argue about Burger King. Like, I could just do what I want to do when I want to do it. And one, two people in the exact same circumstances of life, and one is living a blessed and happy life, and the other is living a miserable life. What's the difference? Perspective. Oh, perspective is so important. It, it, it determines so much of our lives. And, and, and it can even happen in the, in the church. Like There are people who come into church who have a, they're sitting here in the same room and there are people having two completely different experiences. People come in, oh, they didn't sing the song I wanted to sing. It's Sunday, I have to go to church right now. I wish I could be out playing golf right now. Um, we're just gonna do this, get this over with. As soon as this bald guy shuts up, we can move on with our day. And there are other people coming in here going, you know what, today I'm gonna have an opportunity to be fed the word of God and I believe the word of God can change me. It can be a seed that goes into my life and changes me for the good. So it doesn't matter 
if they sing my song. It doesn't matter, whatever. I want to see some good happen today. I want, I want to see some good. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. Some people, this Christmas season, you're not excited about it. You're already frustrated. You're going, oh, it's just too much commercialism. There's just everything. There's it with the inflation. They're saying families are spending over $4,000 on Christmas this year. It's just too much. It's too expensive. They've been playing the same Christmas music in the store since October 15th. It's driving me nuts. I can't handle it. People are angry. They're banging their carts into me in the mall. It's just ridiculous. I can't handle it. And another person is going, I I'm thankful for Christmas, not because of all the other stuff, but because of the fact that it reminds me that God loves me so much. He sent his son to die in my place so that I could have freedom in life and hope and joy and blessings. And when I'm down, I'm not down alone. He will lift me up and he will be there with me. And when I'm depressed, he will bring me back. No matter what happens, Christmas is a reminder that I'm not living life by myself, but Jesus is living life with me. Same circumstances, different perspectives. And what this teaching, what this text is teaching us is the danger of a flawed perception. The danger of a flawed perception. Because the Bible says Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Now this is shocking, right? Because Jesus is going to his hometown and he goes into a synagogue to teach. Now get this, this is the same Jesus that was left at the synagogue at 12 years old. And and while he was there at the synagogue in Jerusalem at 12 years old, he confounded the teachers and the lawyers and, and the wise older men. He confounded the priests with his knowledge, his wisdom, his understanding of scripture. And there were older, wiser men that would sit in the room and they went, I am not the wisest person in this room. This 12-year-old boy has greater understanding of the word of God than I have ever had. They look at him and go, oh my gosh, I'm amazed. Now, this is what's shocking about it. He was 12 then. 18 years later, he shows up in a synagogue to teach. And the same people, the same people who were astounded at the time by his teaching how bright this young smart boy was. Now Jesus comes into a synagogue in Nazareth and the same people were awed by him, that were awed by him as a child. Now they start questioning. Where, does the, where did he get this wisdom? Where is the knowledge? Where, where are these things he's getting? Like, did someone tell him this? Like, where did this all come from, right? And, and their thought was, you know what? I remember him. His daddy was a carpenter. And their thought was, if his dad was a carpenter, that must mean he's got to be a carpenter. If your dad was blue collar, that must mean you got to be blue collar. If your mom was a banker, that must mean you got to be a banker. If if your parents went to college, that must mean you got to go to college. If your parents didn't go to college, that must mean you ain't going to make it to college. It's like, here's the important thing is they have limited him to functioning within the realm that they met him. And that is exactly why you cannot let your associates determine your identity. Because people will always try to identify you in the realm and then keep you in the box of where they met you. They remember your background. 
They remember you in high school. They remember what jobs you have. They remember your parents in the community. And you're like, you know what? Your dad was a bus driver, so that must mean you're gonna be a bus driver. Your, your dad was an alcoholic, so that must mean you're gonna be an alcoholic. And I wonder, have you ever noticed that there are people from your past that keep you stuck in the past? I, I can be honest, there are times I run into people that I, I have them stuck in the past. When I started doing ministry here, I started working in our children's ministry, which is elementary age. We called it the dive at the time. Why we called it that? I don't know. Weird. But we called it the dive at the time. And uh, I will run into people who are in their 30s now that I was teaching in the dive. And, and, and I still have them stuck as like that eight-year-old kid. It's like, their kids are like 15, but, but they're, well, 30, 50, I, you do the math. Their kids are older. And, and it's like, I still have them stuck in that place. Has anyone ever kept you stuck in your past? No, just me. You are always perfect, always great. Always at church with a smile on your face. And that's where we have you stuck. But for me, let me tell you the truth. One of the funniest things that happens to me every once in a while is like I'll be out in public and people will see me and recognize me from my past who don't know who I am now because I've changed. And there's been times I've been like at a restaurant with some church members or something and and someone will come up to the table and they'll be like, Dan, what's up, man? Haven't seen you in for so long. Oh my gosh, we used to tear it up. Man, remember that party that one time when the cops showed up? Thank God we got out of there in time. That was crazy. Crazy, right? Was that was that in your car? I can't even believe that. That was crazy. That was messed up, jacked up. And the, the people sitting next to me are going, oh, "This is my pastor." <laughs> and the hooligan in my following. It's like, and they're like, "Can you remember that time, man? We, oh, that was crazy. That was sick." Like, oh, by the way, what are you doing now? <laughs> like, I'm a pastor. Like, <laughs> that's right. right, yeah. No, what are you doing now? <laughs> like, no, really, I'm a pastor. It's like, why? Because people try to keep you stuck in the confounds of the realm in which they first met you. That's the only thing that you can ever be to certain people. And people have a problem with you when you break out of the realm of where they want you to be. So now all of a sudden, you start making changes in your life. You start following God. You're not the same person, not the same party, or doesn't have, don't have the same issues. You don't have the same uh, uh, mouth that you used to have. And now you're you're living life a different way and people have a problem. With, oh, now they think there's something. They went to that church and now they're act, acting all above us and stuff like that. But, but change is just occurring. Change is just occurring. And, and they tried to keep Jesus stuck in this realm of we remember who he was from his past. Therefore, that's all He's ever going to be, and some people will try to keep you stuck in the past. But look at Jesus. He came from a situation of being a carpenter's son. That's, that's his past, but he wasn't bound to it. Jesus wasn't bound to just being a carpenter's son. That, you know what that means for you and I if we follow Jesus? You might have a past. You might have a past that you were born into. You might have a past that you caused yourself but the good news is you are not bound to it in any way. If you are following Jesus, you are not bound to anything from your past. So seeking to learn, so what that means is we need to seek to learn things that are not necessarily connected to our past, but are 
connected to where we are headed. That, that means we gotta think outside the box. You can't just think from where you were, like, oh, I, I was an alcoholic, so I'm gonna study alcoholism. I was always just someone who kind of got by, so that's where I'm gonna be. No, you gotta think ahead. You gotta learn ahead. If you wanna be changed, your perspective has to change to go, my mind needs to get there first so that the rest of me can catch up. So here, hear me on this. If you're praying for something, prepare for it at the same time. Do not pray for a spouse and not prepare for a spouse. Because if you pray for a spouse and God gives you a spouse, what are you going to do with her? <laughs> with her? The same's true about the man. If you pray, you're praying for the man. God, I mean the perfect man. Here's my checklist. He's got to be this and that and this and that. What happens when, he, when you get it? What happens when you get them? Do you know how to be a good spouse back? Have you learned? Have you learned how to meet the needs of the opposite sex? Have you learned how to put your own needs to the side first and meet the needs of your spouse first? Have you learned that much? Don't pray to be in a management position and neglect learning to be in management. What's gonna happen if you haven't studied for management, if you haven't learned how to lead people and then all of a sudden now you're dropped into a position of management? What do I do now? All these people bringing all their junk to me. What do I look like? You know, it's like, am I God? No, you're the manager. That's what you prayed for. It's like, we've got to think ahead. We've got to learn ahead. We have to change our perspective to not just living in the past, but going on to where we're moving towards. And Jesus shows us this, that he, he wasn't just a carpenter's son. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was the Messiah. And he began moving forward and doing miracles and blessing people all over the place. And, and now we, we've got them looking at Jesus going, where did he get these things? Where did he get this knowledge? And then the second thing he asks is, because knowledge can be learned, but then the second thing can't be learned. And what's this wisdom that he's been given? Like, see, wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is book smarts. You can go learn things, right? Wisdom is given you, to you from God. And wisdom is, is how you use the knowledge that you've gained. So it's like, knowledge will teach you how to load a gun. Wisdom will teach you whether or not you should use it, right? So we, we learn things, but wisdom helps us handle those things that we've learned. You can, you can learn how to be married, and wisdom shows us how to effectively handle the responsibility of marriage. See, knowledge can teach you so much, but we also need God's wisdom in order to be able to handle the very things in life that God has for us. And I want to know, do you know how to use what you've been given? Because we've all been given different things. And I wonder, do you have the wisdom from God? Have you asked him for wisdom so that you can handle the very things that he's given you? Like, do you, do you have the wisdom from God in your house to know how to handle your house, in your life, in your work, in your influence? Are, are you using effectively what has been given to you? I've got a question and this might upset many of you, but I'm not trying to upset you, I'm trying to help you. Let me ask it, you, it to you this way. Could someone else take what you have and do more with it? Could someone else take your marriage and make it a happier place? 
Could, could someone else take your business and make it more profitable? Could someone else take your home and make it more peaceful? We, we, need, we need wisdom from God because knowledge will tell you how to get certain things. Wisdom will tell you how to effectively handle those things that you have. And see, they said, where did he get these things? Where, where did he get this knowledge? Where did he get this wisdom? And I think for so many of us, we need to recognize that we have to be wise in order to handle the things that God has given us. Because for so many of us, we are in a culture right now where everyone's just busy, 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 busy all the time. Everyone's on two cell phones, working 14-hour days, getting home, checking your emails. You're getting up, getting your kids to school. You're, you're coming back and starting the whole thing all over again. It's just one thing after another. You're toiling. Like, like Jesus says, you've been toiling all night. But, but here we've got to understand that Jesus is not okay with you just toiling. He expects there to be outcome. There should be fruit from what you're doing. Your perspective on life shouldn't just be, well, you just go to work. That's what you got to do. You just got you just to pay the bills. No, your perspective should line up with God's. And God's is that if you're doing something, you should be effective at it and you should have fruit from it. Isn't that what we learned when Jesus cursed the fig tree? Caused the fig tree to die because it wasn't producing fruit. He said, how can you be in the ground using up the soil, using up the water, using up the sun? If I put you here, I expect there to be fruit that's coming out of you. See, you're supposed to get results. If you are a child of God, you are supposed to be successful. You're supposed to be moving forward. And some people are going to have a problem with it, but you need to hear me on this. If your perspective is just to get through life, then that's all you're going to get. And it's going to be miserable. But if your perspective is that as a child of God, you can be successful in whatever it is that God leads you in a direction. And if you follow him, you will be successful in those areas and you should see fruit and there should be joy and there should be peace and there should be happiness in every area of your life. You've got to understand that as a follower of Christ, you should say, I am supposed to be blessed. Someone say that right now. Say it like you, it matters to you. Say, I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to be blessed. Stop listening to what everyone else is saying. Stop listening to the world. Stop listening to, well, this is gonna do that and there's gonna be this and this sickness and this, this recession and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? God made his children to be victorious, to be successful, to, be, to have peace of mind, to be healthy. You are supposed to be blessed as a follower of Christ. So here's the thing. When you rise above where people think you are supposed to be, they will be upset with you. They said, what are these markable things that he's performing? They weren't expecting to see miracles from him. So when he performed miracles, like, how did he do that? What's the trick? Well, it's not supposed to come from, I know where she came from. I know her background, not supposed to come from there. And what's so interesting about this is he was in his hometown. And when they saw his wisdom and his knowledge and his works, Instead of celebrating because of their perception of him, they were offended. How are you going to be offended? Listen, he's, he's going around and he's giving people the very best gift that God could give anyone. He's giving them an opportunity. He's like, 
He's healing people. He's, he's casting demons out of people. He's giving, releasing people from sickness. He's giving vision. He's giving wisdom. He's, he, he's restoring the blind. He's doing so many wonderful things and people sitting back going, what a, sorry, I spit. <laughs> that was awkward. Who's he think he is? What is this? And this is why they were offended. You want to know why they were offended? They thought they knew him. Oh, I knew him when. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's Jesus, right? Oh, Jesus. I remember Jesus. That's, a, that's that carpenter saying. He's a carpenter. Didn't he? He helped you build your shed last summer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, yeah. I think I... Uh, my mom was friends with Mary, I think. Yeah, they, they kind of hang out every once in a while. I remember seeing him run around on the streets. And aren't, aren't his brothers here and his sister? I, you know his sister, right? That's oh, just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Like, they're right, talking about miracles and stuff. No, I, I know Jesus. It's, that's just Jesus. Just a little baby Christmas, eight pound Jesus, Caucasian white hair and a diaper with blue eyes. Jesus, porcelain doll Jesus. You put in the, in the thing. It's like, we've got this jacked up perception. Like we just know Jesus. That's just Jesus. After I've been to church so much, I've been to Christmas services, I come in, it's just, it's just what you do on the weekends too. I mean, you come in, you sing some songs about Jesus, someone stands up, talks about Jesus, it's just Jesus. And, and here we see the scripture says that uh, some people saw Jesus as the son of God and the miracles that were released to them were outstanding. Marriages were restored. Sight given black to the blind, paralyzed people standing back up again, health to people all over the place, like, like blessing after blessing after blessing. But there were those that are like, ah, it's just Jesus. I know Jesus. And they had him such in a box. Jesus, and here's the thing. Jesus wasn't hurt by their perspective. They were hurt by their perspective. Jesus, he's still gonna do miracles. He's still gonna help people. He's still gonna, he's still ruling, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is still above all, but the person affected by your offense, the person affected by your perspective is you. And I wonder if you put yourself in this story and look at this, do you have some area of your life where you're looking at Jesus, where your, your perspective would be, ah, it's just Jesus this little eight, baby, eight pound Jesus, blonde hair, blonde hair. And we forget he was a Middle Eastern man. He wasn't just a baby to sit under a tree. He, he wasn't even Caucasian. He was a Middle Eastern man from Israel who came as the son of God and died in place of our sins to make a way for us so that we could have victory no matter what dark season we go through. So we could have peace, so we could overcome. The Bible says, by my stripes, you are healed. So when he was beaten and bruised on the cross for us, that gave us the right as his children to be able to stand up against sick, sickness and, and health problems. He came to give us joy in the midst of marriage problems, in the midst of every different struggle we go through. To some, he's just Jesus, but to some of us, he's everything. 
He is absolutely, he's the reason we breathe. He's the reason we meet. He's the reason you and I get together. Why all this Christmas? Why the trees? Why all this? To some, it's a holiday, but to some of us, we remember, thank God that Jesus came. Thank God that I would, I would be a wreck. I should be dead. I would be hopeless. I'm headed for hell if it wasn't for Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. In church, let me tell you one of the things that's so shocking that every one of us need to sober up and realize. Throughout scripture, Jesus applauds two people for their faith. Neither one of them were in the church. Neither one of them were Israelites and were part of the chosen people of God. The first was a Roman centurion who had a servant who was sick and he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you heal my servant because he's paralyzed, he's sick right now. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll come to him. And he goes, no, 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 you don't need to come. I understand authority and I know you are in authority. So why don't you just speak the word and he will be healed. And Jesus says, no greater faith in all of Israel have I ever seen. This man has great faith. The shocking thing about this, this was not a follower of God. This was not someone in the church. This was not an Israelite. This was not a Jewish person. This was someone outside and he's looking in going, I see Jesus for who he is. The next was a woman who, uh, who was a Canaanite woman and, and she was not in relationship with Jesus, not in relationship with God. She was outside of the nation of Israel as well. And and she had a perception of who Jesus is. This is the son of God. He heals. He, he's the way. So she comes to him and she begins begging him. She didn't have the right to come to him because she wasn't in relationship with him. But she came to him and begged him, would you please heal my daughter? She's possessed by a demon. Would you cast the demon out? And Jesus, because she's not in relationship with her, get this, looks at her and says, you're a dog. Jesus said that? I thought Jesus was just always like smiling like Patrick Swayze and like it, he, he's always happy. He's just like, let's give Mr. Roger hugs and everyone's, he called her a dog. Like, what are you trying to do to get the blessings that belong to my children? We're not even in relationship. You're like a pet. She didn't get angry. She didn't get offended. Did you hear me? She didn't get offended. Me telling that story, some of you just got offended. And here's the problem. We get offended about everything. Guys, it's, there is a pandemic in our nation and it's not COVID. It's weakness of offense. We get offended about can you believe she said that? And can you believe he did this? And can you believe that door? They closed right before I tried to get in there. And that person cut me off in parking. And this, and this isn't my president. And I didn't vote for them. And here's a bumper sticker to tell you how offended I am. So everyone can read. I blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh. Where are the babies that have grown up in our nation who feel like we have got to cry about every single thing? Here a woman is in a state where she needs God's help so much that God calls her a dog and she's like, okay, yeah, I'm a dog, but I still need you. And I wonder if you're offended because you've never gone through anything. I wonder, because listen, 
lazy thinking people get offended about everything. If you haven't been through anything, if you haven't gone through any difficulty, then you think everybody's out to get me. But then you go through something and you're like, oh dear God, would you help me? I don't care what they got going on. That doesn't matter. I need your help. I need your rescue. I need, God, would you come and would you help me please Jesus? Why am I telling you all this? Because both of those people, the Canaanite woman and the Roman centurion, both of them were recognized by Jesus where he said, look at their great faith and he moved on their behalf. And the shocking thing was they weren't part of the church. How is it that greater faith can be found out in the world than can be found in the church of God who stands in the presence of the one who is the only one who can do anything for your problem? Our perspective is screwed up. Our perspective is not based off of what he has said. Our perspective is based off of, well, the world says this and that, and the news says this and that. It's a, and oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And some of us today, we need to repent for being so offended about every stupid little thing. And some of you need to repent for being offended that I just said stupid from the stage. I said suck a minute ago. Like... Stop getting offended and start recognizing that our perspective determines our outcome. And here we are at Christmas time. And some people, just like on the Will Ferrell movie, some people are like, oh, we just need little baby Jesus, little baby ceramic doll Jesus, little, little perfect little cinnamon. He never cries, never makes a mistake. Little, little, he never, he's got to be cleaned up. Just little, little Jesus. And that is our view of Jesus. When there are those of us who understand God, that he is not some baby sitting in the manger. And he is the one who came and lived and died and rose again for our sins. So when we come into this Christmas season, it's not just about, oh, what can everyone else do for me? And oh, let's get through the traditions. When we come into this Christmas season, we go, God, I would be dead if it wasn't for your son. My marriage would fall apart if it wasn't for your son. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve of the grave and thank you that Jesus you took all of that upon yourself so thank you Jesus and then your perspective shifts to instead of what can everyone else do for me your perspective shifts to it's all about what we do for him it's all about what we do for him I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes because I know that there are some of you in this room that your perspective of Jesus has been anything but the fact that he is the son of God who who came and lived and died to take away your sins. And he rose again. And today you have an opportunity and the Bible says that if you hear his voice calling to your heart, if you feel that tug in your heart, don't harden your hearts. Because there are some of you today that right now is gonna be the time you're gonna change your perspective, you're gonna trust God, you're gonna put your faith in him and you're gonna ask him to forgive you of your sins and to be your Lord and Savior forever so that he's not just some cute thing that we do on the weekend, but he can be your everything and he can be the one who gives you eternal life, the only one who gives you eternal life. So with everyone not looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you if you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, uh, with no one looking around, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand as a step of faith, and then we're all gonna pray together. One, this is your opportunity right now. Two, Jesus loves you so much. Three, put your hand up in the air. 
Yes, thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you for all the hands that just went up. That's wonderful. This is your opportunity right now. This is not a magic prayer. What this is is a means to a connection with God who loves you. So I wanna pray right now if everyone would just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to take my punishment and to raise again to life. And I ask now that you would forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life with you in heaven. Today I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, you are in a room right now full of people who want to celebrate with you. And I want to encourage you because I saw a lot of hands go up. Um, so I know some of you that might be embarrassed by this. You don't have to do it, but it is an incredible testimony for us to be able to celebrate together. Would you please raise your hand on the count of three if you just prayed that prayer for the first time so we can all celebrate with you. Thank you, guys. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Any hands up? Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're forgiven. Our perspective changed our outcomes will change. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every person here. I pray you bless us. Give us an incredible Christmas season. Help us to live life the way you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Love you, church family. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with one of our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.